0: Welcome back to the DSR Ghostwriting Podcast containing tech tips for freelancers and other small business owners looking to improve their technology game for whatever reason they do want to improve. This is the uh, first episode in approximately, I believe it's been more than six months since the DSR Ghostwriting Podcast uh, was last aired, so it's been a very protracted absence. Uh, Not that the DSR Ghostwriting Podcast is Top of the listenership charts at the moment. It's in its very formative stages, but uh, if anyone was listening, I'm sorry about the absence. I was involved in planning a wedding, getting married, moving apartment, unpacking an apartment, having gallbladder surgery, many many things in a in a relatively short uh, space of time. So the podcast is gone, as are my show notes, which I just slipped under the couch, but they're back now. Um, Okay, in this episode, I as I kind of evolve in my technology technology journey, um, I think this podcast. I'm just kind of sharing the stuff that I know that I've learned. Um, a lot of it through my own initiative, trial and error, seeing what works. Um, I'm not coming at it from a technology perspective, but I am a technology writer, and that I focus on typically working with high tech accounts, as we say, as they're called in Israel. Outside of Israel, uh, it's a bit of too general of a catch all. Um, Basically, including stuff like companies involved in software, hardware. It's actually quite hard to pin down exactly what people mean by high tech. Um, it's kind of anything that's techy or tech savvy or using technology to do something better. So those are the accounts I typically service, uh, and also as kind of a techie, techie geek. Uh, I guess you could say I know a little bit more about technology than many, uh, without being an expert. So that this whole purpose again just to like tie back to what the podcast is about, is really explaining um, the technology that freelancers and small business owners, um, i.e. small businesses in general, um, can avail of and use in order to improve all aspects of their business. Okay, so in this episode, um, I covered the whole topic of CRMs before. For those that don't know, CRM is an acronym that stands for Customer Relationship Management, uh, platform and CRMs are really the monolith of the uh you know tech technology when people think of some of the first things they're going to need as a freelancer in order to find clients manage their business they typically jump to HubSpot um as the first thing and HubSpot's a great platform I used it for many months quite successfully um but in that CRM, CRM episode I did cover the uh you know the basic uh, types of CRM besides going into individual companies I talked about self-hosting CRMs, which are a very interesting thing that I think people should know more about. A self-hosted CRM essentially involves you um, installing a CRM script onto a server. That server can be configured in any way. It could be literally a server uh, you have in your office. If you have your own hardware to run a server on and you know you can port forward out through your router, then you're, uh, you're golden and you can totally do that. Um, more commonly, people will have a shared hosting plan. I'm personally on reseller hosting, which I've been raving about to uh, the few people in the world that actually care about such things. And there's also another tier of hosting called VPS, which is a virtual private server. Um, That's kind of like if you've ever used VMware or another virtualization platform, then you already uh, basically understand how a VPS is and what a, what a VPS, how a VPS works. It's just a virtualized chunk of physical hardware in a data center. Typically VPS over shared and reseller hosting uh, will give you equivalent functionality to having a dedicated server, you know, in terms of package management, root access, etc. Um but basically a self-hosted CRM can run on really anything. It's very rare that you'll find a self-hosted a CRM script that has some is not going to be compatible with even the most basic of shared hosting plans. Um, So that's a great option simply because once you have that script, firstly, you you have the code base. It's an open source piece of software. You can see exactly what all the different files contain that are making the system work. You can add modules, you can tweak things. uh, You have complete control. Secondly, and this is a very important point, and I don't wanna talk too much about CRMs, but it is pertinent to what I'm gonna be talking about with uh, cold email marketing platforms. Um, there's a connection, there's a reason I'm talking about CRMs and the various types. Um the main advantage of self-hosting a CRM script is that uh you don't have any costs essentially. Now it's, it's totally possible to uh for companies to offer server server side software on a uh, um I'm not sure exactly which as a service we're talking here, it has to be considered past, SAS, all the different types. ASS, I-A-A-S, Infrastructure as a Service, um, you know, you can have that model in which you actually need to rent a subscription to uh, software that you're actually hosting yourself. Um, But in general, stuff like VTiger, SweetCRM, uh, Yoto, um, E2, there's a lot of different ones on the market. Uh, SweetCRM is the modern fork of SugarCRM, which was kind of a big name in the open source CRM world before. That's now continued as Sweet but these are all basically free so what that means is that you download the script you periodically update it and that's it there's no uh there's no per seat cost there's no licensing costs um so if you can figure out a way for that to work for you um to me that's the most preferable approach possible i have had a recent turbulent turbulent period in my uh in my hosting hosting journey uh I talked about it in my blog. It's probably not the best thing to bring up on this professional podcast because it might make me look like a lunatic. Um, there was some uh, corrupted WordPress of, in terms of my reseller network. One of the websites got uh, corrupted by a some sort of phishing malware that injected into the WordPress directories. And as a result of that, the web host said, you have seven days to go find a new home. So that was a bit traumatic. It was not a host I'm happy with. Again, for the purpose of being a bit more professional than I might be in my private publications. I'm not gonna go into what the company's called. It was really, really a bad host in my experience. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise in order to be able to move to someone more decent. Uh, So I did that. I have a new very, very, um, very, very excellent reseller host who is totally uh, on the ball and has been able to get all my open source CRMs working perfectly. But during the period I was this uh, less satisfactory company, um essentially their servers would not work with any of the open source CRMs. There was problems configuring the um the outbound mail servers. That shouldn't be really a big deal to get uh to configure a server in order to work with the type of mail sender that the script is using. But as I said, this was not a very good hosting company and they were not able to they apparently tried and they could not succeed which is very hard to believe that they could offer softaculous one click installer and offer all the CRM installs through it not actually be able to support them for their customers so basically as a result of this i had to give up the ghost on open source crms i kind of thought at the same time it was uh it's always good to periodically revise your tech stack certainly um saas crms are the are the kind of way Everything is going and all the big names would be in that space. So I did that. I spent quite a while evaluating uh, different CRMs. And by quite a while, I really mean a week in which I did a lot of drinking coffee, as I am doing at the moment, and not sleeping very much, and uh, trying these out one after the other. I tried a program called SalesMate. I tried Zoho CRM, which is a bit more well-known. I tried Agile CRM. CRM can get very, very expensive if you're a one-man show because as I explained in the sales uh, stack blog post, I have a bunch of different costs. Just but CRM is just kind of the tip of the iceberg in terms of uh, sales software. I subscribe to hunter.io for uh, finding email addresses. I subscribe to... I've just subscribed to Crunchbase for the sum of $350 a year, give or take. Of course, all the hosting needs now... I often think that it does not really make sense to economize on all this stuff because as a technology business owner these are really your expenses you don't have a shop to rent you don't have um, physical bricks and mortar costs so essentially your web hosting costs i kind of think about it as your digital rent your digital home you're paying for so it's relatively cheap but at the same time uh, you can definitely get caught up in a lot of these 50 dollar a month subscriptions and obviously even if you multiply $50 just by five times, you're already looking at $250 a month in SaaS costs, and that can multiply to thousands per year. So there's definitely uh budget creep happens uh, when you're looking at these software. So as a result, I was trying to focus on, I guess you could say the cheaper CRMs that would offer what I wanted, which was um, essentially automations, workflows, uh, change this tag, send this email, change this tag, send this email, after three days if there's no response send this email and I spent a very very frustrating week partially it was frustrating because Agile CRM have the most ridiculous uh, cancellation process I have ever encountered in I'd say over a decade of using cloud software and that's a very conservative guess um, people should definitely check out the uh, audio recordings on danielrosehold.co.l my personal blog um, it was just absurd uh, trying to cancel out of them Um and yeah it was a frustrating week none of them would really do what I wanted there were all these kind of annoying limitations around stuff like we can send workflows but you can't send date-based workflows that requires another plan or you can send to one contact in an email in a workflow but you can't tell them to multiple contacts if there are multiple email addresses associated with the same lead so it was an annoying week to to be honest uh it was it was frustrating, but there was uh, good news. Firstly, I feel like I'm much more well acquainted with the world of SaaS CRMs. These are just the ones that I experimented with. Um, I've also worked with PipeDrive and Salesforce. When you're in an enterprise environment or even just a small corporate environment, these would be much, much more common CRMs. And you know, if you have a big company paying for CRMs, they're not going to have quite the same cost constraints as a single person freelancer so perhaps it would not be applicable but I think it is best practice um in terms of sales and marketing to really separate out these functions as the industry seems to have done them so without further ado I'm going to explain what so that's basically why that was my experience with trying out CRMs and then I spoke to a very very good uh sales consultant who essentially said I think you're looking for the wrong tool uh you know you have you're trying to get to to do the heavy list heavy lifting as he described it of prospecting in other words enter lead change the lead condition send an automation and crms if you think of the first what the first word in cr the first letter in crm stands for it's customer they're really much better for managing your actual current customers in terms of logging in if you think about the functionalities a crm would typically offer um, whether that's annotating notes to efforts, uh, whether that is automatically logging inbound and outbound calls, transferring leads to different, uh, to different agents or members of your company. And then on the automation side, configuring automatic email alerts for all that internal activity. But that's a very, very different use case to configuring outbound automations. And with that, I... Investigated the. I typed into Google. I said, what am I? I asked myself essentially, what are you trying to do here with the CRM? And the answer was basically, I'm looking for, as I said, building these outbound sequences. And typically, when there's any interest in the in this uh, cold marketing, essentially, um, I take care of everything manually. It's a typical process: set up a phone call, uh, offer a quote, and you know, there's a certain amount of. And I have in my head a very rough figure that you do um you'll send out a certain amount of emails that'll convert to a certain amount of leads and the leads will convert to a certain amount of actual customers uh that's roughly the sales funnel the ratios um but essentially to cut to the chase a bit here, there is a class of of software called if you google again I'm giving this is a class of software the name differs slightly you can look for sales automation software email automation software email marketing software now i had a friend who told me recommended this before um a smart guy who works in business development and is a big automation fan my gut reaction was that you know if you think about platforms like mailchimp for example that wouldn't really be suitable for um you know, for use in cold email marketing because you're basically forced to have these very cumbersome footers uh, with a big, bold, unsubscribe link. It does not look personalized at all. It kind of gives the game away a bit. Now, obviously, uh, when you're doing cold email marketing, it is personalized. Um, I personally review, I wrote another blog post for that uh, blog I mentioned about my prospecting process. I do put quite a bit of time into thinking is this interesting? Is this, some, is this someone I could write? And this is all just looking at their website. Is this an interesting what they're doing? Is this something I've experienced in? Who's our team? What's their funding? Do they have a blog? What have they put out? Have they been covered? So even if I write an email that comes across a bit template-y, and obviously that's not what I'm trying to do, it's really not mass gigantic email spam. Um, so that's what I have against using something like MailChimp where you know, we just look horrible. Have, have you ever received a, a cold email sent through MailChimp? Probably, probably not. So this category of software, which I was very, very pleased to discover, you can also Google cold email marketing software because essentially what I'm describing is cold email marketing. I'm going to roll off some names. I tried all of these, I believe. Plenty. that's Plenty.io. Mailrush, Woodpecker, lambless Woodpecker would probably be the best. Woodpecker is also a .io as far as I remember. Woodpeck would probably be about the best known um, within the software category. Um, Going to discuss a few different uh, things to know about these platforms. These firstly are optimized for exactly the type of process I'm describing, email marketing. They're not optimized. They don't even have the functionality if you want to keep in touch with leads, uh, annotate leads, uh, log calls through the... They're not CRMs. However, they're supposed to be used in conjunction with CRMs. And this is what I find is uh, cool. Uh, it makes sense to separate out these different parts of technology. They all look very, very similar. Typically, you have a functionality for importing lists. Um, I'm going to just break down a few things to know about them. As you said, this is what they are, firstly. They're literally built for cold email marketing. Uh, you know, do some searches in Google cold email marketing software look up some core threads look up some reddit threads you'll get there's a list of about 20 names i've just abridged that to four but this is a big category of software that is not talked about um you know amongst the freelancer community SME community anywhere near as much as you hear people discussing what's around do i need do i need zoho would, would we be better with pipe drive would, would, would salesforce be more suitable this topic does not come up for discussion as much so that's what it does. Essentially, you're looking at a platform that typically has these things. You have a uh, prospect importer. Typically, I've seen these, and they all I say look pretty similar. Typically, I've seen these as uh, import a CSV. That's the most typical format um, that you're feeding the data into these things as. A lot of them also offer integrations with Pipedrive. Clenty is apparently trying to get a Google Sheet. Integration going, uh, I've tried it, it does not seem to work very well. They also have Zapier, so they, there's scope for doing uh you know, for using automation, even in terms of getting the leads actually in. Uh stuff like web hook, web hooks and APIs, etc. But at the most basically at the most basic level, you're feeding these things with CSV sheet. That's comma-separated values. You go in you're using your spreadsheet program and you export uh a sheet of the spreadsheet as a CSV file with a header row. That's So that's the first thing, then you're able to create templates. So your templates would be typically, and you can organize these into folders for most of them, you know, the first email, hello, this is me, this is what I do, follow up emails, et cetera. You build a few templates, and then to bring these together, and I'm gonna use the UI terminology of Clenty for a moment here, develop cadences. Cadences are simply, uh, you know, drip email campaigns. I would know them as more than the word cadence, but cadence is fine. It makes total sense. Um, You're simply importing prospects and then developing a cadence. The cadence goes uh, day one. When they're imported, immediately send them this email. If they do not open, send them this email. After, you know, three days, after five days, after seven days. Uh, It goes a little bit deeper than that. Typically, again, describing what Clenty does, uh you can ab test so you can put in two templates to start the cadence the program will run an ab test uh based on open rates for the first let's say 100 emails there and based on the winner of that ab test the other 500 emails will be sent out um according to the more effective template and you can iterate uh repetitively on that testing uh, i'm not really there yet to be completely honest uh I'm more focused and relatively low volume outreach to certain industries. But if you're doing big mass campaigns, that would be something you definitely would be interested in. You can also disable sending according to day of the week. Clinty's um, default functionality is that if someone replies to your cold email, the cadence will be stopped for that contact. But you can be more granular and you can say if it's a reply, you can differentiate between a reply and an auto reply um i'll just say one more thing because obviously for this functionality to work um, the cloud software needs to be able to have access to your inbox so that's something that people can be quite hesitant about maybe they're not maybe i'm just a paranoid guy i personally would not trust any software as a service platform whatsoever i honestly mean that almost categorically google i have faith in just because they are so big uh well regulated any smaller fish, I would never hand over my entire inbox to. Never. So I'm very, very particular about this. For that reason, I have a separate G Suite account for my freelance writing business. Um, it's not less secure. It's two-factor authentication, but it just contains stuff related to my writing. If So I had I give plenty access to this. Um, but emails coming into that would all be responses to the cold email marketing they would never get my blood test or my health insurance or anything like that. So I just encourage people, especially at the freelancer slash SMB stage, where your personal and professional lives are kind of intermingled, just to consider separating them out technologically to have a separate inbox for your leads, etc. You can always access, you can always send uh, professional emails through the one inbox if you're using G Suite Aka Google Online, you can totally um, add multiple sending addresses. I have a ton in there. Um, you can actually add another G Suite address, and on the in the other G Suite address side, you can forward that onto your main inbox. So essentially, you have you can have one uh, inbox that is uh, that you use every day that you're sending personal and professional email. But if you're giving something like a CRM or an email marketing platform. Access to inbound mail, you can give it only the professional stuff. That's just tangentially something I really recommend people to do because I am certainly very, very privacy-focused, especially when it comes to everything technology-related. And I think that's the kind of direction that the that the world seems to be going in. Um, so, next topic to cover, um, daily send limits. So, this is also something you may be interested in. And this touches upon... So that's what they do. Sorry, I I I'm I have I do have show notes for a change. I don't have time to edit these podcasts. So excuse the slight jumpiness here as I kind of moot around topics. Um, the I was talking about the functionality, right? So we have we have the that's really it in a nutshell building out these cadences. Um one more Clenty feature I didn't, and this is this is not a plug for Clenty, I just happen to really like it. I think it's a great piece of kit. Plenty allows you to stop if you send to two people in the same organization. One responds, Plenty can stop the cadence for all people. So it wouldn't look good if you emailed Tom, Dick and Harry. Dick responded, thank you, no thank you. Dick's email stopped, but Tom and Harry got the rest of the cadence. That would not look good because Dick's already responded for the organization. Just to give a kind of a frivolous example, that's how that works. And that's, very, uh, that's a very good feature. Next thing, uh, in terms of the actual mechanics for sending emails through this, how many emails can you send? What can you send through, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I wanted to just mention here quickly because when you're connecting your SMTP server, that's your outbound email sending software to these programs, you're typically given because these are very much in the uh, in the big business space. You're given a lot of options uh, ranging all the way from Amazon SES for programmatic email sending to, you know, your conventional G Suite SMTP server. Um, I'm a fan of uh, ESPs, bulk mail ESPs, email service providers. That's the likes of SendGrid, SendInBlue, programs like that that are really designed for sending mass amounts of marketing email. They're heavyweight stuff. Um, People using G Suite may not be aware. And this goes as well for Hotmail and other... uh, other such um email service providers. Secondly, these are called ESPs as well. The interface you're using to send mail through a third-party application using these is SMTP versus API. Um, G Suite's limit is 2,000 emails per day. They have this documented. Uh, there used to be an hourly limit. You would totally get throttled and blocked if you exceeded that. I am not a long-term spammer. I totally am a long-term spammer. Um, but that don't no longer seems to be in place. There is a daily limit. There is how many recipients you can hit per day. Check this out online and research your own ASP. It could be you're using AOL, for example. Check out their limits. You might be surprised to find out how low the limits are. Now, I have never sent more than 2,000 emails in a day to the best of my knowledge. However, I do not like constraints. I like the idea of scalability, of no matter how things are, now at the moment that, you know, can we get to bigger than what we are? Um, So for that reason, I'm a big fan of email service providers. When you're using stuff like SendGrid and SendInBlue, you're dealing with um, big limits, basically. Now these can also be connected uh, to this, but there's another constraint in that these email marketing programs themselves, sales automation tools, I should say, themselves tend to have limits. I discovered these mostly through emailing the companies to 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 ask them directly uh, woodpecker's limit is set to 500 per day they told me that if you have a, if you're using g suite as i am that they will honor they will up that to the g suite limit of 2000 per day clenty's limit is 700 emails per day they are not flexible about that however they do offer email add-ons you can add two more add-ons up to two more add-ons per an account for an extra 15 dollars a month per email add-on However, that email add on means you need another address um now there's very, very good reason for this if you look into email deliverability uh it's a complex topic. I would recommend working within the parameters i'm kind of i'm kind of i have to be honest i'm kind of conflicted about this a I like to work within the parameters of uh of these people and they are emailing marketing experts uh they have these limitations for a very good reason on the other hand. I don't like limits. I like I like scalability, and you know, I would prefer to be completely honest. Even if there's no chance, I think the most emails I've ever thre- ever sent today through Clenty was about eighty per day. Even if there's no chance I can exceed that seven hundred limit, I would personally prefer to work with a uh, you know provider that does not enforce any kind of something. I have to think about in the future, you know, because you know you have let's say you've a team of salespeople working for you. You're not in this. Uh, you could you could hit seven hundred. It's possible. Um, so that's ESP versus SMTP so that's something to think about do you want to work with your own what you have natively through G Suite do you want to sign up for a third party service and connect that Um, and this brings us on to the last topic for this roundup Um, I did say here spreadsheet centric although most can integrate with CRMs and that I think is true for all these tools so kind of feels a bit old school to me Uh, I'm used to working directly in CRMs The integration, just something to mention, is that, uh, you know, you can actually add the leads. So let's say, let's take a Zoho integration with Plenty. You can add leads into your Zoho and then do the actual sending work um, out through Plenty, like run the cadence through Plenty or another program in this category. GDPR and unsubscribe. Okay, everyone has heard by now about the um, General Data Protection Regulation, aka GDPR which was introduced, and I should really know this because I used to work quite closely with a client involved in the space. I believe it was only last, I know it was May, I believe it was May 25th. I believe it was May 25th, 2018 was implementation date. If it wasn't, it was around that period. It doesn't really matter because it's already in GDPR. The first thing to say is that it's a regulation, European Union regulation, protecting the right to data privacy and protection of individuals in the European Union so it's not protecting companies or corporate entities here it's designed to protect the actual uh, personal data of the people but of course companies comprise people and the other thing to say is that it essentially matters where your recipients are so I live in Israel as may have been disclosed in this podcast or may not Israel is obviously not a member of the um european union however i may be sending these cold emails to a company in ireland which is a member of the european union and any of any data related to the leads i'm sending to in ireland or in finland or in germany uh should be processed subject to gdpr now of course it's another debate enforcement how would gdpr uh what enforcement mechanism exists for someone based outside the European Union. I don't have enough uh, knowledge on this topic to uh, to get into that, but uh, what I can say is that basically even if you're in the US or in Colombia or in Fiji, you should process your European data in relation to the GDPR. The GDPR does not prohibit cold email. Now, the source of this is a woodpecker blog, admittedly, but I'm going to go over the salient points that they cover here. Um, unsubscribe that's a very important thing some kind of an opt-out mechanism because you've just sent a cold email to someone I was interested to learn recently that unsubscribe and again these programs all offer this functionality to me if there's a big button saying please unsubscribe me from this list that to me would say this is not a personal email whatsoever Um, so I wasn't keen on that for that reason what you can do according to all these articles is say if you would like to stop receiving emails from me, please let me know and I'd be happy to pull you off the list. Just some uh, verbology to that effect. That's what I've gone for. I haven't put in an unsubscribe link. Again, I'm doing this at pretty low volume, so I don't feel like I'm... Um, and I would, I will add one more thing, and that I'm pretty light in terms of my cadences. They, I, a lot of people recommend big drip sequences, you know, seven emails over seven days. I personally absolutely detest getting those kind of long drip email campaigns. Typically, I'm out after one. Uh, I talked about it on my blog how I'm not a fan of uh, of uh email marketing, and I don't mean to be... That is not a hypocrisy. I'm literally, I'm offering people a service. I'm talking about companies that you sign up for their product, and you just sign up to use their tool, Plenty, and suddenly, next thing you know, there is an email, an email, an email, uh, and you'll subscribe for one, and there's another. Uh, that really bugs me, and I have built a uh, it's i I'll tell you my cadence it's there is a cold email there's one follow-up email now this may change this is what I have at the moment one follow-up email and then after I have two follow-up emails at 30 days and at six months now I found previously that when I reached out to people after a while stuff changes people leave I might add another one after a quarter after three months after 90 days um but that's it i'm not hitting people up with five emails in a week saying hey you're following up hi i just want to follow up again hi has anything changed hi just let me know if, I've, I've seen drip sequences like that and uh i find that really intrusive so that's one thing i would say um but my first campaign says basically if you do not want to hear from me uh just let me know and i'll take you off and i'll put them on a no contact list most of these things also have no contact list. Uh, you can, of course, delete the prospect. Um, so that's that. And then in the in the final cadence, uh, you know, I can add an unsubscribe link after the third one when the game's kind of up or whatever. Um, okay. Now, legitimate interest is a GDPR requirement that you're, you have to, there has to be a, some kind of legitimate reason as to why your recipient receives this code email. Mark. You can't just buy, absolutely. I mean, you should never buy cold email marketing databases, but you couldn't buy just a, you know, to go a, a gunshot approach to sending to every company in the world. That would be uh, that would be problematic. So in the copy of the email, and this is again, to it makes sense. This is actually a good email marketing practice. Forget about GDPR. It's just something you should be doing. Say why this is relevant to the recipient. Um, In my case, it's something like, I've seen you're on this such and such database, and this is why I think you're a good fit for me, or I might be a good fit for you. You can play around with how you want to phrase that. It's a bit, a little bit tricky to do that right in a template format, but you can can get there. Um, But that's a requirement, uh, legitimate interest. Um, Information duty. gdpr information judy what data do you have the dpo the data processing officer this is tricky i'm honestly not really sure exactly uh how to do this i saw on the woodpecker blog i don't get the feeling they're so sure either they say you can put a no more link essentially if you're processing data about this person what data the gdpr gives them a right to know what data you're holding and where and who's responsible um In a typical cold emailing effort, the data that I have in hand is, uh, you know, might be email address, first name, salutation, company, source, about six fields. Um, Woodpecker recommend putting in a no more link in, you know, at the bottom saying if you'd like to know more about how I found you, do this. They also say that if you're asked, where did you get my email from? You can have a template on hand just to respond to and saying it came from such and such a source. I am responsible for managing it, and if you'd like me to delete it, please let me know, et cetera. Um, deletion, the removal, the storage limitation on GDPR is 30 days. So basically what that means is the best practice is as follows that you send out to cold emails, you should really not be retaining their data for more than 30 days. They haven't responded in that period. Now, of course, when you have this kind of 30, 30 60, 90 day cadence I've described, this could be a problem. So that, that might be uh, something to bear in mind for if you're sending to GDPR people, perhaps you could have two lists and sent, uh, sent to the non-GDPR governed folk. And be careful about that because where companies, you know, where companies say they're based and where their corporate headquarters actually are can often be different things. Um, but the GDPR limit is 30 days. So what that means is you should not be retaining data in spreadsheet format. And that does not mean just in a spreadsheet on your computer, that could mean in, um, in a CRM, in an email marketing software of the nature I'm describing that you should be deleting that data. Any data not in use that you do not need. It was a prospect, fine. You had a legitimate interest, fine. You sent them a cold email, fine. But after 30 days you need to delete that person's uh, data. Um, And that brings us to the end of the podcast. In fact, 36 minutes, I think, is a good time to wrap this up. And you're going to hear for visual effect the sound of me crunching my show notes. That may have been actually audible throughout the podcast, the sound of the paper flapping. Um, Just want to give a quick synopsis before I do wrap up. There is a separate category of software to your big CRMs called cold emailing software, marketing, sales automation software. There's a whole variety of tools. I just gave a, I threw a couple of names. I mentioned plenty a lot. I talked about Woodpecker. There is Reply as well. There's MailRush. This is a huge field. It's designed specifically for uh, creating email marketing sequences, cold email marketing sequences, templates, automated responses, building cadences, that kind of thing. It's different to CRM. It can be integrated with CRM. So you can get these programs to do the actual heavy lifting of sending out the emails, um, and have that have the actual leads themselves living in the CRM. Uh, I'm now regretting crunching up those show notes. Uh, there are a few things you should be aware of if you are uh, sending to any prospects in the European Union who are sub who are subject is not the right word. You're subject. They are entitled to protection by the GDPR regulation, and you need to have a legitimate reason for emailing them, making that clear in the copy. You need to not retain their data beyond the storage period period mandated in that regulation, and you need to give them some way of getting out of the email sequence that, however, does not need to be an actual unsubscribe button. That's about it for it. Oh, and of course I mentioned ESPs versus SMTP, and that you may also want to consider not using your default mail provider because it may have low-level sending restrictions which may hamper your ability to spam the universe. With that, if you have any questions about this episode or uh, recommendations for specific tools, I would prefer to give those on a one-to-one basis. Please do not hesitate to reach out. Go onto my website, dsrghostwriting.com. Fill out the contact form and I would be more than happy to uh, be in touch. Thank you for listening and until the next episode.